Good evening. Today is June 7th, and I'm sorry, Monday, June 7th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's step is step six, and our speaker tonight is Melissa P. Thank you so much, Melissa. Mm, thank you. Let me start my timer. Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa P., recovered compulsive overeater today. Thank you. Um, I'm just really like my ego is taking a beating because I shared a couple weeks ago on step three and now I get to come back for six and seven and really like kind of put my uh, um, money where my mouth is. Thank you, Amy. Um, you can go ahead and put them up. Um, so I'll just, I will uh, qualify real quick, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna qualify a little bit um, differently. When my mom found out she was pregnant with me, she hid it from everyone, even my teenage brother at the time and delivered me very quietly and gave me away to a family in the city of Buffalo um, that had been longing to adopt a child. And she did that because my biological father threatened to throw me in a dumpster if he ever got the opportunity to because he didn't want a child. Um, and about six months into my life, the couple that had adopted me decided for whatever reason um, that they, they couldn't keep me. And so the lawyer that had done the adoption reached back out to my mom um, and I was given back, like in a tops parking lot in the city of Buffalo, like some sort of Facebook marketplace exchange. Um, and my mom's friend delivered me to her and she made up some story that my parents were killed in a car accident, even to my brother, um, and that she was my godmother. And so this like single mom, um, you know, who worked a really stressful job at a hospital, who didn't have any supports, took me back. Um, and, you know, I was really at that point tossed into a really violent and chaotic and lonely childhood. Um, and the disease very lovingly, you know, made its way into my life. Um, and food became everything to me. Um, my mom, my dad, my siblings, my brother went away to the army when I was really little, um, and my best friend. And the theme of my life really until I came into these rooms is that I felt really unsafe and unwanted a lot of my life. Um, you know, even in a room full of people having all of these like um, senior class superlatives, even though I was like eyeballing 400 pounds by the time I graduated high school, um, I always just felt really alone and really just like, do I belong here? You know, and when I did feel like I could belong somewhere, like, okay, this is it. This is my footing, right? Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, something would happen and I would get knocked over and shoved out and whatever. And, uh, you know, so I learned to become very territorial um, and very like, you're not gonna push me around anymore. 
um, you know, all while like barricading myself in with food. And um, when I was 23, I had a gastric bypass surgery because I wanted all of the things that all my best friends were getting. And um, I lost, you know, 180 pounds because my stomach got cut and it was like this big. And this is how I know that like, I don't need to worry about why with this disease is because, um, Amy, if you can scroll down maybe to my like little, that's me in high school, but there's, I should have attached, maybe I didn't. There was a picture of me. Uh, oh, that one. Um, that's me with my husband. I have collarbones in a tan and fake eyelashes and like, I'm hot to try America. And the crazy part is, is that this is me at my worst. This is me as a post-gastric bypass bulimic with broken teeth that are rotting out of my mouth and my hair is falling out in clumps and I'm like a screamer, a control freak and made of ice, completely made of ice. But on the outside, I had finally gotten everything I wanted. Um, you know, and so the reason that I qualify like that for six and seven is because for me, I really had to look at my defects differently. Um, you know, and I went through the steps a couple times and it wasn't until the third time around um, that I could really feel like my higher power changes and transforms based on what I need at all times. Um, but this was that loving father type that the hands were on my shoulders and helped me to understand my defects, accept them, and then do the work to eradicate them. Um, and so we're going to talk about this poster. Um, you know, so the big book really like kind of zooms by six and seven, and I'm not a big book like word nerd by any means or historian, so I can't tell you a great reason why that is. Um, I have to wonder if part of it is because step four and five, or maybe it's step three, you know, or 10 through 12, like, I don't freaking know. It's all these beautiful steps wrapped together that like get us on this spiritual path. Um, you know, and like I said, my first two fifth steps, one, I was in and out, I was in the food. The second one, I was not in the food, but hearing things like that, I was selfish, that I was dishonest, that I was fearful. My ears were closed. Right. Because I had. But but look at all these things that happened to me. Of course, I'm mean to people. And of course, I don't let my son go anywhere with anybody. But look what happened to me. Right. Um, you know, it, and so it wasn't until my heart was really opened um, by really like doing the work. Right. Um that I was really able to open my heart and hear my sponsor's feedback about the defects that she was picking up during my fifth step. Um, you know, and so this step, this step talks about when we're entirely ready and where else do we hear the word entire, but in the doctor's opinion, right? That I have to put down all of the foods that make me crazy, right? But I also have to put down the defects that keep me still so sick, right? Like 
I feel bad for anybody that ran into me and had to um, interact with me when I was abstinent and not living in these steps, because I will say every time that I can be like a raw exposed nerve that anything will set me off. Um, you know, and so if you think about like, when I think about my story and I think about the battle that I used to have, like I used to protect myself with food, right? Like I was shielding myself with food and then I put the food down and I was still shielding myself with defects. Um, you know, so in step three, I got to design a higher power and what do the characteristics of a higher power look like for me, right? And like I said, it really changes. Um, there's things about my higher power that don't change, but it, it ebbs and flows based on what I need. You know, and I was like super, super stressing about um, the share tonight, right? Because I still battle my ego. I want to get on here and like knock it out of the park and, you know, whatever. Um, and I was in a training today and this presenter was telling the story, which I'll get to, but it talks so much about being loving and honest and helpful and accepting. And that's my higher power. And that's how I try to live my life. And that sets the frame for six. Um, you know, but it, it's that willingness. Uh, am I willing to be the person that he designed me to be or it or the or whatever I want to call it that day? Um, and I, I really, I believe that our natural dispositions, right, we're naturally rooted in love and in being helpful and in being honest, right? Have you like ever met a three-year-old and they're like, hey, you have a, a hair that's like sticking out right here and you're like, oh, awesome. But then they want to get it for you, right? Like they just want to like fix things and be your friend and, and be near you. And I think that we're all like that by design, right? Just loving and wanting to be helpful and tell the truth. And then the world, right? The world happens and we get all jacked up or and maybe an and um, this disease of perception covers our eyes and we begin to see the world, at least I saw the world in these Melissa covered glasses. Um, so back to that story. So I was at, you know, this is like a beautiful thing that my higher power did for me today. So I was at a training on trauma. I'm a therapist and a social worker. And uh, so I go to trauma trainings a lot. And the speaker was telling a story about a man who survived in a concentration camp. And the survivor was talking about how he had to shift his thinking, but also his actions. And I was like, I'm listening. And he talked about three things and how he survived. And he said that the first was that he had compassion for everyone, right? And like how remarkable that would be. But he had compassion and he was involved in the lives of other people in his situation at his camp, also known as showing up as love, right? No matter what. Um, two, he did the work. He did the work all the time. No matter what the work was, he just did it. And he made it his business to show all up and go all in for the work. And then the third thing that really like cracked me this morning was that he had to accept the fact that life is not without suffering. And that really like broke me this morning. And I don't find it a coincidence that this message came into my life this morning. Um, because when I add non-judgmental awareness and honesty, these are the stones that I build my life with now, right? 
not every day, not every day do I show up as, as loving, helpful, patient, kind, and honest. I, I don't, um, you know, but that's, we have, we have steps for that, right? That's why we utilize our 11th step. Um, but six, seven is really about pulling out the wiring, right? I like to talk to my sponsees that like something happened here, mainly because I, I talk a lot and I say the wrong thing and I do the wrong thing and I ate, right? So something happened here between my head and my heart. And six and seven is that same demonstration of willingness at step three that like you have a plan for my life, but what about here? What about the design here? How about how I show up? Where I let my higher power rip out the wiring, rip out the cobwebs, take whatever garbage I've been piling up because I think I need it or I'm going to use it someday, whatever defect it is. And I just let my creator design who I get to show up as. And I'll tell you what, someone who showed up for the majority of her life in self-righteous anger and as a bully for me to be quiet and calm in situations to rub the back of a kid who was an aggressor, that's not me, right? Because my default is a scared little girl. Um, You know, and, and I used to live my life with these defects like they were life preservers, right? When in actuality, they were anchors. I love the talk on six and seven, and I'll post it in the chat um, by Joe and Charlie when they talk about how our defects aren't like, you don't need to, the woe is me parade doesn't need to happen for your defects. Nobody's perfect. Um, But if anything, it's a disrupted natural instinct that we have too much, just like I always wanted too much food or too much quantity or too much life. I also needed to do whatever I thought, whatever, whatever it took to have too much safety, right? This barricade around me, too much control and then too much fierceness because I lived in fear, fear that you were going to take something I wanted or you were going to take something that I already had. And I didn't care what I needed to do to protect what was mine, at least what I thought was mine, right? Like that illusion of control. And so I really had to take this non-judgmental awareness and really look at how I was living, that I was recovered. I had lost a hundred pounds, but I was threatening my husband with divorce through Facebook messenger at night as I aimlessly scrolled, you know, Facebook in bed, you know, nitpicking something about him or, you know, dying on the cross of martyrism at work that no one works as hard as me and everyone should bow down to me. You know, my ego was still 400 pounds. My defects were just raging and I was mean. I was so mean. Like my heart can just be made of ice sometimes still, still I can get icy and just not want to be around anybody. Um, you know, and so I really in six and seven had to dig deep. So I have self-righteous anger, which is a dubious luxury. So I've been told, um, I'm super selfish. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Um, I live in dishonesty and fear, right? So like my sponsor had me look at what are my biggest defects? (sighs) but I had to go further, right? So instead of writing in it in a book, in a little notebook that was all cute because I purchased the perfect book at TJ Maxx, I had to put this shit on a poster board, right? That I still have and I keep it. 
with me and I refer to it and there's a picture of it in my phone and there's a laminated copy underneath my keyboard at work, which is where a lot of my defects want to like come out to play. Um, you know, because it's like, cool. So I'm anger and I'm selfish and I have fear and I'm super dishonest, but like, cool. Now what? Right? Like, great. So you've identified all the garbage. I had to break it down even further. And I had to like do these things the same way I researched, really got honest and dug deep about my alcoholic foods and the things, the, the combinations and the way that I would eat foods or the way that I felt about food. And I had to do that with my defects, but I called them these instincts, right? And so I'm looking back through like passive aggressive emails and text messages and like thinking about things that disrupt me and you know these so I wrote out my instinct and then I wrote out the behavior but then I had to put what the answer was right like how do I look recovered you know I can say the step seven prayer all day long but if I'm still acting like um you know a horrible mean person I'm not using my will for good right? I'm still using the will, expecting God to like zap me abstinent and zap this freaking bitchiness out of me. If I got abstinence once, I'm not going to get the defects removed just like that, right? You know, um, you know, and so like, it's also about being non-judgmental of others, right? So they talk in program about like, you got to keep your side of the street clean. Um, I don't even get a side of the street, okay? I'm not, I'm not there yet. Um, I get a hula hoop, basically. I have like little T-Rex arms and that's how much space I get in the world now, right? Like I have to keep it, I'm just keeping it honest with you, that if I'm outside of like a two foot parameter, get back, get back, because it's none of your business and no one's coming in here trying to, like you're crazy, Melissa, shut it off, right? Go get helpful, go tuck some freaking chairs in or go, you know, check on a friend, do something. Um, you know, and because that's as much as I can handle, right? Because it was always never enough, never enough. But I, once I got enough, I never knew what to do with it. And then I threw it at everybody because I was so tired and stressed. Um, you know, this willingness to clean house of old ideas and perceptions for me, it cracked open these boulders that I was living under. I put myself there. Um, and finally, like the sunlight of the spirit was able to shine through. And there are days, there are moments in a good day where I move that boulder back and I get all icy, um, you know, because this disease is twofold, right? We have the allergy and the obsession, but so is these, you know, so are these steps that this is twofold also because you have to have the awareness. And then you need to take the action. You can't just sit and meditate on how mean you are without doing anything about it, right? We have to, we have to move, um, you know, and I have to use my self-will to basically not be a jerk, okay? Um, you know, loving, helping, accepting of the other people in my life, Um you know, and like I said, I, I keep a copy of this, like my meal plan, the way that I have my meal plan memorized and I don't screw around with it. I don't screw around with this either because have one minute. Forget, thank you. Um, if I forget about this, we know what's next, the takeout menus, right? Um, you know, and, and so like, it's about practice that makes the progress. 
not perfection. You know, nowhere in the big book does it say that we have to be perfect. Okay. Step one needs to be done right. If I have a solid, perfect step one, the rest I get to work on. I can try. I can try. Um, you know, but like all things, I'm responsible for the effort. I'm responsible. My report card at the end of the day is how did I show up? Not what my husband did, not what my kids did, not what my student, no, no, no. Take the mirror, put it this way. How did I show up? Right? Was I aligned? Or was I a little wacky over here, but then I got it back together here, right? Um, you know, because God's got that outcome. So how much time did you say I've left? Three seconds. Three seconds. Okay. So real quick, I just want to go over my favorite defect, which is my bitchalante-ness, where I was like the Robin Hood of morals. Um, where I thought that if you were offending someone or not treating someone kindly, then I was going to bully you into being a better person. Um, and now, what does it say I have to do? I have to support the person hurt or let it be. That's it. Take my sword off of my thing and, and go get busy. So, you know, that's the beautiful part about six and seven is that we get to try it every single day. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much for that loving share and lead tonight. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. Would our timekeeper Niji please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. And also Niji, if somebody asks a question, then we have approximately three minutes-ish for Melissa to answer. Michelle, I see your hand is raised, go ahead. Hey, um, my name is Michelle O, compulsive reader, and I'm totally crying right now. Um, <laughs> um, I don't really have a question, Melissa, and I, I lowered my hand because I didn't have one yet, but I do want to really just say I feel like such a, an incredible gift to hear you share tonight. I've actually been using one of your lines in many conversations lately. I heard you uh, share in a meeting about the, um, you said... <laughs> I can cry. Um, you said uh, that when you were at your lowest weight, you were the craziest and you were a raw nerve on two legs. And I've just been thinking about that constantly. I relate to it so much. And it actually helped me to come up with another conception of my higher power, which is connection, like a nerve connecting to something and not shorting out within myself, you know, just circulating and uh, you know, the electrons need to flow somewhere. Like I don't have the full analogy, but um, it just helped me. It, it was so beautiful. And um, I, I'm just filled up hearing you share. You're beautiful. I feel like you're looking at me right in the eye. Thanks, Zoom. <laughs> I was like, she's talking to me. Um, and I love what you said about Melissa covered glasses. I thought that was hilarious and um, sharing about compassion. I guess I, I'm going to think of a question. I had a therapist once who said to me that she didn't believe um, too much in setting boundaries because it meant that she, we weren't trusting God or ourselves to make decisions 
in our lives in the moment. And that came from a place of maybe fear. And I'd love to know what, what you think of, you know, you have a lot of these boundaries, but they're not um, maybe rigid rules or ways to interact. So maybe you have a way to, to speak to that. Um, I can't remember why I thought of that word boundaries. You may have said it at some point. Anyway, I'm going to call you sometimes and ask a better question. You can call me anytime, but that's still a great question. Um, okay, so I'm chuckling because there's a couple other like mental health professionals that are on this meeting right now. Um, so boundaries, right? Um, I think that boundaries are about self-respect and it really depends on my motives for boundaries. So I used to barricade myself like my sponsor and I joked because when um, quarantine first started or, you know, pandemic, whatever, um, that would have been the perfect time for me to like barricade myself in with food and like completely shut the world out. And instead, like, thank you, the world on Zoom opened up. Um, but I really think that it's about trust, you know, and that I had to, at least for me, get to a place like I don't have a good relationship with my mom. Shock, right? That's a shock. I wish I had like a crazy plot twist that we go shopping together and like, no. Um, but my boundary came from acceptance that she's never going to change. And I can't expect her to be the person that I see on TV. Right. And that I have to trust when I set boundaries with her. Right. Um, that I'm going to get my cup filled somewhere else that the way that we have gods with skin in program, I have so many loving mom like figures, both in and out of program um, in, in, in here too, right? Like I can go here. My higher power comes with me everywhere. Um, it's me that turns my head, but I do. I think that when I used to set a lot of boundaries, they weren't healthy boundaries um, because they had lots of cracks in them and I would let the wrong people in. Um, I'll tell you sometime about my life after I had my gastric bypass. And, uh, you know, boundaries are about, not about what I think I deserve, but how I'm able to take everything in, process it, and, and give the people in my life my presence, right? And the people I'm on my phone calls with and be present for them. Um, but when I'm building boundaries out of fear, those might as well be um, barbed wire fences, right? So it, now I don't necessarily have walls. I have like a nice picket fence. that's like rainbow colored and has stars on it. And there's like doors that open right? And I have to be very mindful of why I'm letting someone in, how I'm letting someone in. And, you know, not everybody gets in and that's okay. That's okay. I'm the bouncer of my life. Um, but what's my motivation for letting people in? Am I trying to like step on them? Right? Or am I trying to get something from them? Am I adding people to my life because of something I can get? Or am I inviting of people in so I can help them? right? Because the more I'm thinking of you, the less I'm thinking of this train wreck up here. So I Hi. hope that helps. That was three minutes. Thank you. Um, and thank you for the question. Uh, we have Victoria followed by Heather followed by Subin. Victoria, you're up. Hey, I will just give a quick little share. Uh, you know, 
Just ditto, <laughs> Melissa. Thank you so much. Um, I try. I get too dangerous with my crosstalk, so I'm just going to say thank you for your service and your share. And you can, you can feel all the vibes I'm sending off of that. Yeah, <laughs> things. But I loved. You know, it's funny because when you first showed the picture of the of the poster on the slides, I the first one I saw was like, oh, I think I see one that says vigilante. And then when you commented on it later, I was like, oh, I love that even more because I really identify with that. Um, I was, I think I've shared on this meeting before, but in a different context that I was bullied a lot um, growing up and my, I didn't realize, I thought like I was just making myself the victim in everything um, because I thought like, yeah, it's hor like, oh my gosh, yes, of course I'm terrible to people because somebody picked me up by my ears on the playground. Like that's, that's traumatic, you know, or like, of course I am. Like people told me to go kill myself when I was like 11, you know, it's like, of course I mean, you know, <laughs> or, but it felt very justified. It felt like I was protecting myself. Um, and really just, just, I mean, the steps really were connected for me, but, and also I needed a lot of therapy, <laughs> but, it, um, spiritual, spiritual foundation, but emotional tools, very helpful for me. But I learned that I was making myself the victim which was dishonest and how it was misrepresenting reality. And then I was bullying everyone else as a way of saying, you're not going to hurt me. You're not going to hurt me. I'm going to, I'm going to do it first. Um, and I realized the, just the, the, the gunk, right. The gunk that was in my soul and that channel blocking me from God that, um, Maybe I needed that armor as a little girl, but it's not honest for me to keep that going forward as an adult. I have different tools now. I have different knowledge and, and what a blessing, you know? So I just, I felt that connection when you shared that about the, the vigilante, except I was very, a very self-centered vigilante <laughs> looking out for myself only. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to share. I'll pass so that other people can have the floor. Thank you so much. Thanks, Victoria. Heather, you're next, go ahead. Hi, Melissa, thank you so much for another wonderful share. And um, thank you for admitting out loud, you know, that, um, that you're dishonest because I, I don't know why it is, but I have such a hard time like admitting to that defect. And um, I think most, most of the dishonesty in my life comes from fear that uh, I'm not going to be taken care of. And so I have to kind of like finagle, you know, to make sure that I'm going to be okay. Um, you know, tonight at this, I was at a store and my kid wanted a soda and like, I got the soda and put it out. And there was a moment where I like, wasn't sure if they had rung it up or not. And, um, you know, just that the fact that like having to have a conversation with God about like, saying to the lady, Hey, did you scan this? You know, like this dollar fifty soda, like it's so stupid, but at the same time, it's like so liberating to just be like, Oh, I'm going to do the honest thing now because I'm not worried about the dollar fifty because I know if I keep myself clean that I'm going to be okay. And, um, that's just like one of the, the biggest, the, the dishonesty is just like one of the biggest hurdles that I have to, um, to like living, you know, the kind of clean life that I want to live. And, 
I can say for sure that like, as a result of working these steps, you know, honesty has taken on a whole new meaning in my life and has been, um, you know, the importance of it. And even the small things has just been highlighted, but, um, I always appreciate it when people that I respect admit, you know, that they struggle with the same things that I do. So thank you. And that's all I'm going to say. Thanks, Heather.